0: Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of Boxed Boys. Uh I'm Mint O'Reilly, and I'm joined by obviously the beautiful Luca or Purple. <laughs> However you call it. However you call it. And um so at the end of the last episode, we um had decided, or after the last episode, we had decided that we're gonna watch we were gonna watch uh catch me if you can. Um so unless you have anything else, we could start uh just straight into that before going into kind of the probably the bigger discussion, um, but wanted to get this one done.
1: Yeah, the, you know you know, the appetizer before the meat and potatoes. Oh of course. No and there's gonna be a lot of discussion over uh the meat and potatoes. <laughs> Yes. Um. So I'd like to I'd like to just start with a uh, Catch Me If You Can because that movie blew me away. Perfect. Uh, directed by
0: Steven Spielberg, uh, from 2002, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks as the leads. Uh, wanted to start off with a kind of a spoiler-free discussion. Um. Mm. So what did you think?
1: I think that. My like my main takeaway, other than just it being a really good film, was that it was the amount of prowess that I saw in that film. Like, looking at um, all of these actors. like bef- I mean, well, Tom Hanks is already pretty established, and so was Christopher Walken. But DiCaprio wasn't that established back then. Amy Adams wasn't that established back then. Jennifer Garner wasn't as, as established back then. So this is all when a lot of these actors are really coming into their own in like, their own way. And I thought that I, I saw so much of current leo like once upon a time in hollywood leo and um django and leo but mostly the like the biggest thing i noticed was jordan Belfort, leo, leonardo dicaprio in that movie he channels um i mean he, he channels uh frank abendale jr and the wolf of wall street so well into his character like they're they're almost identical other than the fact that they're played by dicaprio like their mannerisms well, aside from the drugs but um you know their mannerisms, the way they talk, the way they walk, it's almost identical and it's so amazing to see and um, we talked about Nocturnal Animals last uh, last podcast and we were talking a lot about how good Amy Adams was in that movie and like this is just such a strong start for her. I thought that her character was really good. She didn't have much to go off of because she was more of just like a love interest Mm -hmm. than anything like really substantial but I really liked her character, and again, it was just like one of those, like, it, it was like, like a prophecy or something. Like, a little time capsule of what's to come for these these up-and-coming actors. Definitely. And uh, I first off, um,
0: mentioning the acting before going into the actual story itself, um, just to kind of start off a little general um obviously i thought that um leonardo was amazing uh definitely probably one of my favorite roles of his um definitely and i think it just comes down to his charisma and he just has kind of this like this great energy about him and i definitely see where you kind of have that similarity with uh wolf of wall street Because I feel like he has this kind of like I'm running this movie, you know, like I'm just gonna like he's hogging the screen, but it's not in like a bad Mm -hmm. way. It's just in like he just knows he knows exactly what he's doing, and he's perfectly cast. Mm -hmm. Um, So Leo, I had zero problems with. Um, What I would say is I thought Christopher Walken was good. I thought he was just I thought he was just good though. I yeah um, he got nominated for an Oscar for this performance, Uh and I definitely think that the fact the fact that Leo didn't get nominated is ridiculous to me. He didn't no. What I know that's what I was saying because I was like Christopher Walken Wait. was good like he was solid. I didn't really, but mm-hmm. I, I mean he didn't like blow me away. Like when he was on screen, I wasn't like,
1: man, this is amazing. You know. Yeah. Like I really liked the scene where they're at dinner. To I also like like. I, I'm not sure how good his acting was, but I thought his character was really strong. Yeah. Like, his acting was pretty good, but the character was, like, the way they wrote the character was really well done. Yeah. Like, because he's established as, like, this really, you know, huge figure. Um, Like, you know, he's, he's, he's a rich guy. He has a huge house. You know, he has a beautiful wife. And, you know, they live in a nice part of town. And he's part of, you know, some sort of, uh, he's part of the government. And, you know, in a pretty high-ranking position, he wins an award pretty much in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see how great he is, and then it's just the the fall of this character. It's so heartbreaking to see, especially in the last, like, I want to say, like, hour of the movie. Yeah. It's just so disheartening to see. And um, I'm I'm not going to spoil much. Because um, I think it's good to just go and not blind, but just to see for yourself. But I think I think Christopher Walken had a really tragic story in this movie, and um, there is there's this one scene where he has lunch with DiCaprio, mm-hmm. and his facial expression is just so heartbreaking. because yeah. I mean it's it, like you can see the shame in his eyes pretty much because you know he he did this one thing and he hasn't he's he can't escape it for the rest of his life. You know, it's kind of, um, an interesting comparison because, um, in the movie, I mean, catch me if you can, I like, other than being like a really fun and like, you know, sweet movie about, you know, just, you know, haha, DiCaprio doing funny stuff, doing, you know, does a little trolling. It's also a, it's, it's a really interesting character study about people not being able to handle reality and trying to run from that. Definitely.
0: Well, I also wanted to just mention, um, before moving on spoiler discussion um for me at least because i'll be spoiling um, a decent amount of things but uh, i definitely agree with you it's interesting you mentioned christopher walken's facial expressions because i felt like it, I, I definitely agree with you there i think that his facial expressions were super spot on and that's where a lot of his acting kind of comes from in this movie. So I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. it's like a great, like, like Christopher and I wouldn't say it's great in like a performance way where he's doing all these things. But again, I think this movie is just a lot of energy. Um, And I agree with you with Amy Adams. Uh, She's so like lovable. And I think that's why I really connected with her character. You know, she's kind of, I would say she's more of like an audience surrogate who's kind of just yeah. caught in the middle of all this. Um and I other I also wanted to mention um before moving on to actual story elements um with acting. Um I wasn't really sold on Tom Hanks a little bit. Me either. Okay, okay. I'm I'm happy we agree with that cuz I thought that his acting was just meh to me. I really felt some scenes I thought he did really good. Um spoilers obviously. I love the scene mm-hmm. where him and frank first like meet face to face in the hotel um (laughs) and i love his like his kind of frantic nature it's done really well um Mm -hmm. and i love the way that it's directed and shot Um, but yeah i i mean i just thought that his character the character itself is very interesting again it's the whole movie is just the cat and mouse game that's the appeal Mm -hmm. of it um and if you're into that like uh you know obviously you're gonna love this movie because the majority of it is just about that um but i felt that tom hanks didn't it wasn't a movie where i was like okay without tom hanks this isn't the movie you know something like a forrest gump Mm -hmm. or something like um you know, any of a lot of these other movies, like I would say Captain Phillips, too, you know, he is kind of the guy for that. Um, but you could have mm-hmm. replaced him with anyone else, and I feel like they would have done a way better job. And To add on to that, too, I thought that this was the most distracting thing in the whole movie. His Boston slash New York accent was way too hard. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. It was, like, it was so distracting. It it was, like, hilarious. Because every time he spoke, (laughs) it got, like, worse and worse. And I was like, what the fuck were they even, like, thinking?
1: It was like Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. Like, um it's 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 too much i think that either they should have gotten a different actor if they wanted to do that accent so badly they should have gotten a different actor of course or they should have just scrapped the accent and just let tom hanks be tom hanks yeah i don't know why they had to do that accent it was really not good and that's probably one of my probably one of my only flaws of the movie i think just his accent is really bad <laughs> yeah no definitely and, and like
0: Again, it's just so distracting, but I'm saying like you could have got someone like at the time and you could have got someone like maybe I guess they probably wanted an older actor. Uh, Mm -hmm. You definitely could have got someone like a De Niro or, you know, who is from New York. Or if you wanted to go for more that Boston, something like I know he was still young at the time, but Mark Wahlberg, something like that, you know, where it fits and it's just a part of their like because I think that is supposed to be like a part of their character, I guess. But even though it Mm -hmm. didn't add anything, it was just like, what the fuck? um I think Tommy Lee Jones would be good in that position yeah definitely just like or anyone from again like East Coast like New Jersey New New mm-hmm. York Boston like yeah but I wasn't really sold on Tom Hanks but everyone else I thought was was well casted um mm-hmm. and let's move into the actual filmmaking um did you think because I was thinking about this throughout the movie did you think that this felt like a Steven Spielberg movie um Mm-mm. Yeah, I, same here. I was, I felt the same way. So, like, uh, can you tell me about that? I'm curious.
1: Like a Steven Spielberg movie is on a really big scale. Mm-hmm. Like not all the time, but most of the time. You know, if we're talking about something like ET, huge scale. I mean, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Jurassic Park. I don't even need to say anything. Um, uh, Saving Private Ryan is a extremely masterfully well done war movie especially that normandy beach scene mm-hmm. spielberg really he helmed that movie so well and he like he knew what to do but this was like i don't know this felt like more like a i don't want to say like scorsese but it did feel like something a little more low-key like a scorsese movie you know not as edgy as something scorsese would do like taxi driver or anything like that but you know because it, it had that like that light-hearted spielberg feel of to it. course yeah because to mention that but like Spielberg, I mean, with an exception to Saving Private Ryan, that movie is disturbing, but <laughs> um, with, like, you know, with stuff like E.T. again and Jurassic Park, there's, like, this level of, like, childish wonder. Of course, yeah, to, yeah, to definitely. It. And same same with uh, Catch Me If You Can, especially the, um, I mean, well, also, Frank Abagnale Jr. is a kid, mm-hmm. so there is a childish wonder to it, you know? There's, like, him as a kid, being like, observing stuff around him, he's like, whoa, this is really cool. Yeah. And because I mean, because you're seeing it through the lens of a 17 year old, 18 year old, and uh, I I really like the um, uh, like when he first sees a pilot and he's walking around with like eight stewardesses on his shoulders, and then he does it like 30 minutes later in the film, like kind of like replicating what he saw an adult do and as a kid, I thought that was really well done. And again, it's just not. It's a Spielberg film in like feel, you know, like like that childlike wonder to it all, with still like a you know pretty grounded and emotional meaning to it. But it didn't have that scale of like wow, directed by Steven Spielberg. I mean, even Ready Player One, which I despise, (laughs) still has that.
0: Yeah, still has that Spielberg. And like. He's on such a like a spectrum because you again mm-hmm. like as you mentioned, you know you have those playful moves you have e t but you also have a schindler's list and you have you know mm-hmm. saving private Ryan, so he definitely has that um you know a huge disparity in his career um Mm -hmm. and i agree with you it has the feel it has that like i could totally imagine myself you know like this is kind of like in that weird spot where obviously it's not a kid's movie but i wouldn't even say Mm -hmm. it's like an adult movie either it's kind of in this like weird middle zone um but it has kind of like that 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 glow to it that really like special feeling um but to me the whole movie felt if this makes sense, it felt like it was like directionless, and not in a bad way, but it felt like it was just like I couldn't even tell if someone was like, "Who directed this movie?" I'd be like, "I don't know." It didn't feel like <laughs> I. It didn't feel like it was like a vision. Um. Again, like you can tell they have a love for the source material of you know, and they're very respectful of Frank uh, Abingdale and the whole story. Um. But. Yeah, it just felt like watching it. I was like, "Where is that like Spielberg feel? Like, where is that like? Mm-hmm. Where do I feel like okay, this kind of makes sense? You know, similar to when you're watching a Scorsese movie, it's very easy to kind of tell, or like a Fincher movie, stuff like that." Um, and I-, I was gonna say that my some of my notes here on um, the actual filmmaking. I said that uh, we'll talk about the score last because that was amazing. Um, I really but, like this film. Yeah. yeah um i thought that the ending didn't drag on i hate movies that they try and show like the aftermath of something and it just takes like an yeah. hour and they kind of wrapped it up nice and like quickly which i really appreciated. it's really open and
1: shut which i appreciate
0: oh yeah it doesn't really leave a lot but i felt like this movie again it, with that like spielberg energy and i felt like that's where it kind of came back it ended with like a, a really good ending like a very good like it was kind of like a happy ending for everyone and i was like oh that was great mm-hmm. yeah i love that um and
1: the character arc, like, like they don't, like, I, I gotta explain, like, rationalize this in my head, but, like, th- it's not like a traditional character arc where, like, you, you know, you go from this to that to that. It's, the character arc of Frank Abagnale is really subtle, Yes, I think. yeah. Like, the way how he grows up throughout the film, but, like, you, you don't really see it until you're at the end of it, and you're like, oh, he's, a, he's like a grown man now.
0: Definitely, definitely and it has like i think those scenes with the with christopher walken are kind of those little like pacing steps and the phone call scenes with um tom hanks i also think those are kind of like the little stepping stones um mm-hmm. and that's where i feel like it, it was very gradual like it i definitely agree that it it wasn't like a big shift where you're like what the hell this is you know, because I do like the fact that even when he's on the airplane, he escapes through the toilet, essentially, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love the fact that, yeah, you think that, OK, he's going to go to prison, whatever. But he he still has that like he's still kind of like a child, you know, because he's still young. Mm-hmm. So and he goes to visit his mom um, and sees the, the kid and all that. Um, and I thought that was really good. And to to add on to that, because we had already been mentioning uh, uh, mentioning it a little bit, uh, I thought that the filmmaking itself was good. It wasn't mind-blowing, but just solid. Like, mm-hmm. again, it's just kind of
1: a solid movie. Like, what do you think? Um, I actually wanted to go back to what we said earlier about, like, this doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie. It feels like a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, something like Big or Forrest Gump. Or um, anything along those lines of like, you know, like those, those Tom Hanks movies were like, you know, like they're, it's not a feel good movie, but like there's like a level of like whimsy to yes, it. Yes, definitely. Um, I thought that the filmmaking style was pretty average. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I think... Spielberg just wanted to take a more low key approach and just tell like an interesting cat and mouse story, and there wasn't much um you know there, there wasn't much style to go off of um I mean other than the score, which was extremely well done. I yes, really like that of course um but like you know there there wasn't much style to the movie filmmaking wise like um something that it also felt kind of like to me was like a Guy Ritchie movie, and like you know something like smash. Mm. Um like like it was really fast paced and the dialogue was snappy. Um I really liked this this like running joke in the movie where Tom Hanks keeps trying to tell a joke but it sucks. Yeah, that was good. I like that. <laughs>
0: It, it was kind of it, it was kind of out of place though because again Tom Hanks is known as like he's kind of like been in a lot of movies that are like for children so when he's like go fuck yourself I was like okay it was, was kind of like forced <laughs> it felt kind of weird um it, see I was gonna rebuttal you a bit because I think that there is some good visual kind of humor and really interesting filmmaking techniques um, especially mm-hmm. in that scene where frank um he kind of like holds the auction and he gets a bunch of stewardess and he comes back to the airport and i love this i love the tracking shot of him and then it it kind of like pans over to tom (sighs) hanks on the phone oh right i loved that and i also loved when tom hanks rushes out there like we found him he's in a, a car he rushes out and um, he's like, some dude pay me a hundred dollars to wear the thing, and then he looks up at the plane that fr- that's supposed to be Frank flying away, and I, I loved that. I thought that was really well done. Um, so I do think there is there are some really interesting shots. I love some of the close-ups, um, in the bedroom when the money's flying around. I thought it was really kind of like, oh yeah, uh, had that kind of like claustrophobic feel, and
1: I love that scene just in general. Um. Like that—that that was a really like intense scene because like there was there was so much to risk at that one point mm. because he really loved Brenda at that point. Definitely. And you know, like, and you know, Han Raddy was at the party and he was like, you know, he he was kind of torn between this side of him and the other side of him, and then he kind of just spills his beans and then, you know, he shows all the suitcases full of money and then Brenda is completely shocked. And I like what you said earlier about like Brenda being like an like, a surrogate audience. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, DiCaprio just, you know, just opens up these suitcases with all this cash, and Brenda's like, what the fuck, since when were those there? Yeah.
0: Again, (laughs) it's, it's so well... It's also just so well acted, um, especially from mm-hmm. DiCaprio. That's where I felt like it moved away from DiCaprio just being charming into DiCaprio just being an amazing actor. And that's when that scene in particular is when they show off, wow, like he really is is good. And it it also makes you care for the character more because technically, you mm-hmm. know, this is a guy who's stealing millions of dollars. Um. So technically, we sh- we basically shouldn't be rooting for him, but he's so lovable in the whole movie, and that scene in particular. You know, you can tell that he has a love for Brenda, and he just there's just all this stress, and he's just a kid. So it helps kind of ground the movie and really make you feel for the mm-hmm. character and like him even more. And I I was rooting for him. I kind of was like, I don't want Handwriting to catch him. I want him to keep going.
1: I think that's what makes like the like the audience perspective on Frankie so great, is because it's not like like it's like a typical cat and master or like something like No Country for Old Men where it's like you know you got like three middle aged guys just running around South Texas shooting at each other. Instead, yeah. it, it it's like yeah, you got this middle aged guy who's a cop, and then you have this kid who doesn't really know better. Yeah, because he's like you know, the, the cash me if you can aspect of it. Yes. He says it to Tom Hanks, but it's also like, he it's kind of saying it to the creeping reality that he's facing. Like he starts running the second, his parents bring up the divorce. Mm-hmm. So, and he's, and he was, he's been running from that. I mean, f- for the entire time. And when he says to Hanratty and when he calls him and says like, I, I can't do this anymore. I want out. Um, I think that's, you know, him progressing and maturing and be like, I, I think I'm ready to face the reality that's that, that I'm being confronted with. Yeah. I see, at the at the time, he didn't know what to do other than just run away. But as he prog- as he grew up throughout the movie, it was, you know, he, he finally came to that realization where like, you know, like some things just need to be confronted and that's just the way it is. No, of course. And, and I, I also like
0: the fact that he kind of has like a childlike approach to it still, though. Um, so it's a little bit of both, because you see he's maturing again. He wants out. Um, I think it's a great point you brought up. I also think it's interesting um, because he kind of wants no consequences. And that kind of reminded me of like a kid because he's like he's like can't mm-hmm. you just leave me alone like stop following me leave me alone yeah it's it's like a little kid getting bullied in like recess yeah but he's like the one that kind of has caused it all so you you're mm-hmm. kind of like again you feel for him because you kind of you you're kind of along for the ride with him um, but Hanratty's like the like reality that's kind of how I saw it is like he's the one that's like hey you're not going to, like, get out of this just scot-free, you know, like, yeah. as much as you want to.
1: Like, you you, j- you can't keep running from this forever. At some point, you're just going to have to face what's coming. Um, I, God, I really liked that, um, the last bit where they, like, the, the last, like, little chase between Frankie and Hanratty in, I, in France. Yeah, yeah. And, um Hanratty kind of opens opens up to Frankie about, you know, his daughter and his and his estranged wife and you know, I I think that really brought the whole story together as, as like, you know, the the three main characters, um Frank Avignale senior, Frankie Avignale junior and uh Carl Hanratty are all just people who have been affected by a, you know, a broken marriage or, you know, A lack of love in their life and that's really what you know drove the movie home for me like i I can acknowledge that tom hanks you know he was a little weak at points but i think that when he opened his character opened up about his daughter and his ex-wife and stuff like that it really gave his character more of an emotional center than it did in the earlier part of the movie Mm -hmm. for sure Uh, yeah
0: And, and again that those are the parts where i think tom hanks is strong um And that's where he kind of brought it home um still again not the best but if someone was like you know i wouldn't say again i would say tom hanks is average in this movie but those moments are the ones where i really like um and you can see some of those more like mature performances that he's done whether it be kind of like a um, green mile or something like that um so Outside of that, the last thing I wanted to, uh, or the, the two last things I had, or I, okay, wait, one more. I'll do one one <laughs> little uh, one little thing that I noticed. I thought that one of the visual humor jokes I thought was hilarious was the, I love the sex scenes in the movie because everything keeps, oh keeps God, falling yeah. down. It was a really funny way to do it. I know it's like kinda of cliche to do it. Um, but I just love the sheer volume in particular, like the one where there's like the cart with all the food and it keeps falling. Yeah. Keeps falling. It just was like a meme. <laughs> and, and same thing with Amy Adams. Like I thought it was just so funny. So I don't I don't know. Were there any other um kind of visual humor things that you really noticed or uh style like kind of stylistic things um you really liked?
1: Um like just just some interesting like one takes where like 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 in only one take, DiCap- like DiCaprio will be in a shot with Hanratty, and then like it'll pan back to where DiCaprio's supposed to be, and he's just gone. Yeah, those, those I, are fun. I, I, that that had me that killed me every single time, <laughs> especially like in in like the first the first scene of the movie where they're at um like the French prison, and he's put in like a cell because he's like he's coughing up and he's falling over and shit, and he like. Han is talking to one of the French guards, he's like, Okay, I gotta extradite this guy and bring him back to the States and then like they pan they pan back to where he's is supposed to be and he's just out. Yeah i thought I was really funny and they do it like multiple
0: times but i i felt like it never got old like they could have done that a bunch but i thought that they, they did it enough where i was like okay
1: that's fun you know it, again it kind of added to the the whim of the movie it was really because it's always really done fun. in such a creative way like there's like it starts with like just like okay he's there and then he's not there <laughs> and then as it keeps going and it's like this goofy stuff like you know uh i'm with the secret service uh you know, I've been tailing this guy for months. You know, you're do you think the FBI is the only uh, the only bureau working on this? And then he just bolts. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> Um I the best one, like th- what makes his escape scene so good is how fresh they are. It's not like the same thing over and over again where it's like, oh, he got caught. He's gonna, you know, run away the same way he did last time. No, there's always a new way for him to escape, and there's always a new way for like Hanratty to react to it. Yeah, like uh, as as you mentioned earlier, like going to the bathroom <laughs> and then escaping through the toilet. That is so creative, and I thought it was so funny. And like then the shot of the exterior shot of the plane, and then him jumping on the wheels and then bolting. God, it was so funny. Yeah, it, it definitely had the humor theory. in Catch Me If You Can, just superb. I, again, like I, I really like to compare it to Guy Ritchie because Guy Ritchie is like the master at visual humor, and oh, I don't know, this about is that. pretty much no different. I mean, not the master. I mean, well, there's people like Wes Anderson and Edgar yeah, Wright yeah, also. Yeah, I was but, say. You know, like the way that he uh, Spielberg uses the camera to just make the movie so funny and st- like so funny and. Like, with a dark emotional center, but with, like, a light-hearted shell mm-hmm. was just superb. I think this is one of my favorite Spielberg films just because of how he executed it. Like, the directing is really... I, I, I want to go back on what I said earlier. Like, the directing is, like, it's not as grand, but it's still very low-key. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's not there's not much on screen, but there's so much off-screen to be looking at. Like, you know... You know Spielberg being like, "All right, Leo, I want you to do this, this, and that," and then, and then like his escapes are pretty much mostly in one take. So like you know the pa- the camera will pan over to like where he's out of frame, and then it'll pan back, and then he's just gone.
0: I, the I, I one other thing I wanted to mention, um, and these kind of go hand in hand, was I think the intro kind of did this movie dirty, um, and the reason why was because the intro was so stylized and so awesome. It was probably one of my favorite intros ever, the whole animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in that really cool kind of style. I don't know what you would call mm-hmm. that, but it, it's
1: just such a cool style. Kind of reminds me of like Incredibles, you know? Um, Definitely. I, I was thinking of something like along the lines of a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, like yeah. Some, again, like there, there, there's so many Guy Ritchie isms that I can, you know, point out in this film. Cause I mean, it's just like this, really interesting style of crime comedy that he's known for and especially like you know comparing the beginning scene of Catch, like the, the intro credits of Catch Me If You Can to the intro credits of Snatch they're so stylized and the music is like I, I'm not sure if my mic's picking up my snaps but you know it's so like yeah you know it, it's rapid fire it's so well done the colors are superb everything in that intro is just like I thought it set the stage a little bit too well yeah no that's what i'm saying like it felt it to me it kind of also reminded me
0: of like bondish a little bit uh, yes and I, definitely and i thought that that mixed with the music it kind of had again this really fun playful kind of vibe um and then when it kind of moved into the actual movie i was like man i really kind of wanted a little bit more of that and you still get obviously mm-hmm. that playful fun vibe but um I just thought that intro was so good and it kind of, I would say, it set my expectations a little bit kind of off course of what I was like initially thinking. I was like, oh, okay, we're going in a different direction here. But um, in the end, uh, if you have anything else to uh, say about the film, go ahead. Um, But I gave it a four and a half out of five. I think it's great. Everyone should watch it. Um, Really solid. I
1: mean, four and a half out of five for me too. It's just such a superb crime film i think it's like you yeah. know like every, you know everybody has like that you know 1001 movies to see before you die type thing i think that it's pretty high up there just because like, like as i said way earlier there's so much promise in the cast that hasn't been seen yet like from a 2001 or from a 2021 perspective to to a 2001 film mm-hmm. or 2001 or 2002 uh, two. okay well i mean like from a two thousand two or whatever, from a perspective like nineteen years later after it came out, there's so much progress that you can notice. I mean, you know, DiCaprio going from like this, you know, goofy, lovable scamp like in Romeo and Juliet and Catch Me If You Can and Titanic to like The Revenant, where he's yeah. eating like bear heart and like axing the shit out of Tom Hardy. It, it, I mean, it's such a radical change and. Um, Amy Adams also, like, going from, like, you know, the, this, you know, cute, bubbly character, you know, mm-hmm. to some, something along the lines of Arrival or Nocturnal Animals, which are, like, such heavy emotional performances that, and Amy Adams is not bubbly in either of them, yeah. <laughs> so there's so much progress that can be seen from that a film in 2002 to a film that was released like within the last three years. Mm-hmm. No, d- definitely. And um, if you love Leo, you'll love it. Cause it has that
0: just Leo perform. I mean, he's just great in everything, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I think that's it for uh catch me if you can. Um, so next movie we watched, um, we didn't watch this week, but it's something uh, I saw uh, I think a month ago or two months ago around there. And I loved it. Uh, we wanted to talk about both these movies. Uh, we both have very strong opinions on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start with the Safety brothers first uh, out of the two. A Good Time released in 2017 starring Robert Pattinson. Um and Benny Fine, or not Benny Fine? Am I actually Benny Safty? Can't even remember. <laughs> <I don't laughs> know why I remember that? Okay, yeah, Benny Safty. Um, and he is basically he's kind of this. He he's kind of like a con, like a cunning. He's kind of a con man type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a failed robbery, um, Benny Safty's character. He basically goes to prison and the whole movie is Robert Pattinson's character, Connie, trying to break him out and get everything sorted, and it is just fucking nuts. Tell me all your thoughts.
1: I think that the Safety brothers have such an incredible distinct style of like it's it's like they're students of Scorsese. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can put it, because you're, I mean, especially, I mean, both of their films are set directly into the heart of New York, which is, you know, Scorsese's, you know, it's his homeland. That's where, like, all of his films take place, pretty much. And, I mean, it just oozes, I mean, well, Good Time just oozes promise for the Safdie brothers. Um, I saw Uncut Gems before I saw Good Time. Me too. Which, and I I love Uncut Gems almost unconditionally. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And Good Time is, like, one of the stepping stones to getting to that, to, to to Uncut Gems. I thought the music in Good Time was phenomenal. I thought the color palettes of red and white and, like, pink were so well done and vibrant, especially in the first robbery scene where they get the ink pack on them. Oh, yeah, I mentioned that. And, like, that. they're coated yeah. in red. And, um... Uh, like Robert Pattinson has this gray hoodie, but his head, his face is covered in like red, and his he also has this really vibrant red jacket. I thought that the colors in that specific scene were really well done, and the whole Robert like they use neon so well. Yeah, I, I mean I I have a really strong thing for like neon neon stylized movies like um like Collateral and um Drive and you know any any kind of those like nighttime noir movies and good time is absolutely no exception the use their use of neon and color is superb i can't get enough of good time it could have gone on for three hours and i would have still wanted more
0: Uh, yeah well it's funny you mentioned obviously the color palette definitely agree uh they have such a stylized thing and, and this is kind of again to kind of connect back to catch me if you can this is what i meant by kind of having this style like watching it you can tell it's a safty brothers movie they got just such a yes. such a great style and it's really I, I think it kind of blends a lot of styles we've seen before but they make it their own mm-hmm. thing so i'm totally cool with it um i want to obviously mention the 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 big draw of the movie um both these films obviously have huge draws which are the lead actors um and robert pattinson most likely should have got nominated for an oscar for the performance in my opinion i think he did amazing um and also same with uh benny safty i don't think he should have got nominated for an academy award but i do think that he was really underrated especially for being just kind of like an actor director you know, some of those mm-hmm. can be pretty eh. But like what'd you think?
1: Well, I, I wanna elaborate on what you said about Benny Safty because don't, people don't really like um pay attention to how much Benny did for this movie. So not not only was he a co-director with his brother Josh Safty, but he also he wrote the movie and he did the sound for it as well. Like so he he did a lot of work for a good time. And the amount of passion and effort that the Safety brothers put into this movie is astounding um that the first the first robbery scene in the movie is so expertly done and part of that is because of the really low-key like soundtrack um the safety brothers are like the safety brothers and like synth wave soundtracks are like peanut butter and jelly yeah like definitely the synth in good time is so good but i have to hand it to uncut gems for having that like the score in uncut gems just adds so much to the movie already but i think good time is a lot more like uncaged and wild than uncut gems but both of them and like the soundtrack can like it the soundtrack contributes to both movies so strongly mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and like robert pattinson is a complete powerhouse in that movie he takes the entire movie and puts it on his back. Well, he also, you know, carries it with Josh Safdie and Benny Safdie's incredible directing style. But the, the the star is Robert Pattinson in what he does with the role. And God, he's just absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, OPN. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the first part. Something point never did the. Uh, soundtrack for both films. Uh, So obviously they are very similar, but again, I think it goes so well with the visuals too. It kind of creates a style and um, you know, obviously uh, I think this film, both the films feel like this and uncut gems feel like they were just written for the actors. Obviously uncut gems was Mm -hmm. written for Adam Sandler, but good time. It really feels like it's perfect for Robert Pattinson. He has, such a great intensity with the role um he i mentioned how i love how he's a mess you know he's definitely he's trying so hard to like con everyone you know to benefit (laughs) him and i love the fact that you can see him kind of slipping up a little bit and just trying to figure everything out on the fly um and it really was, you know, I think Robert Pattinson does a great job um, of kind of taking you out of just seeing him and really, like, putting you in the character. And I really felt that with this one. And I connected with his character because I wanted to see him win. It's, you know, as much as he's kind of a bad guy, I wanted to see him succeed.
1: He's horrible.
0: Yeah, he's he's, he's a fucking asshole. Um, but I love him, too. So, yeah. Let's go into the actual scenes in the movie and stuff from the movie um unless you had anything else to
1: add about the acting i I think that Robert Pattinson has had the one of the most amazing growths as an actor like ever like i i i was talk- I've been talking a lot about growth as an actor this this podcast because I mean, well, catch me if you can. I mean, as I said, you know, there's a lot of growth from 2002 to 2021, but I think that Robert Pattinson's growth has really, really just, it's really superb. Cause he went from like, you know, this, this, you know, kind of lovable, dorky guy in Harry Potter, Goblet of Fire. You know, he was, he was, he was just like, you know, that like kind of like a typecast, handsome guy for like Harry Potter and, um, Twilight. But then, um, he really started to come into his own when he started doing like more like, I don't, I hate using the word indie, but like lesser known projects. Like he, we worked with David Cronenberg in 2012, but I think his recent, his run since like 2000, I mean, his run ever since good time has been phenomenal. Mm, Definitely. Cause I mean, he, he crushed it in good time. He crushed it in the lighthouse I thought he was pretty good in high life. Despite that, I didn't think that movie was really that good. His character in tenant was probably the best part of the movie. Cool. And he had an amazing role in um, Antonio Campos uh, devil all the time, which is really, really overhated. And yeah, his evolution is just phenomenal. And I, I can't wait to see him as Bruce Wayne. And I can't wait to see what he does after Bruce Wayne. Yeah,
0: And he's going to keep getting better. I mean, honestly, he's, you know, I think he's like around in his thirties, but man, I mean he's still got a lot of he's got a lot of stuff in the tank um and so i kinda i rewatched I didn't rewatch good time, but i i kind of skimmed through it to catch things that I really loved just to make sure I didn't miss anything mm-hmm. and I want to start off obviously um with just the stressful scenes um which you could say is the whole movie but i feel like it's the whole movie i felt like genuinely <laughs> i know a lot of people mention that safety brothers it's kind of an anxiety genre you know and it is uh i felt that more in uncut gems um definitely but we'll get to that when we get to that um but i felt like this this movie there were two scenes that i felt really had the most stress and i love them the most which were uh the Domino's bathroom scene which you really feel a sense of like urgency and just like oh my god yes um and i also love the Uh, scene at eric when he's trying to the guy who's trying to call and then you also have uh, jennifer jason lee who's also trying to call her mom with the money and they do such a great job with commotion scenes that's how i i put it is yes like when multiple people are talking um because you know in life that's obviously super stressful to begin with but in, in a movie they have the they have this amazing ability of just creating this like ah like everyone chill out you know and Oh that i felt like this movie really kind of did such a great job with that um you know what a yeah i just i i just i love it it's a good time it's a, it's a it is a good time um what did you think about uh you know what do you think about the whole stress thing because you know some people might see it as kind of gimmicky um and, and i it's a little
1: gimmicky yeah, i think
0: and i would say i um, don't want them to keep doing it forever like i hope they do something that mm-hmm. isn't just like a good time on cut gem because i feel like then it'll start just being like, okay they're just making the same movie over and over again
1: yeah so um i think like their use of commotion is good and it's really easy to fuck it up but i think what really like um sells it is like the way that the sound is designed and the way that like microphone placement and how you know you you can hear like this character saying this and this character saying that and you like you get these tidbits of information from these characters talking over each other so like you know you hear like while um Jennifer Jason Lee's character is calling her mom you hear like the bank teller saying like yeah we can't take these and then you get like a little glimpse of like mom I need the money and there's and all of that meshing together creates so much tension tension. It's like you're hearing it from Robert Pattinson's ears. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it,
0: I think that, yeah, you kind of hear a little bit like some in your right, some in your left, and they do just such a perfect job with, with mixing and again, sound. I think sound is just such a big part of their movies. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to mention, um, I'm obviously very, I- I'm I'm very big on this movie and I would recommend it to everyone. Um, one thing I would say is a little bit ridiculous that I noted down was I think it's a little unbelievable that Connie mixes up Ray, um, the, the guy that he does like take from the hospital and his brother. Um, and people could say like, yeah, it could be like he was just in the heat of the moment. It could be the lighting, but I really thought that like their faces are really distinct.
1: And yeah. it was kind but of like fair, what Buddy Duress, uh or Ray. He had his car- he had his face pretty heavily bandaged up, so you couldn't really tell who was who. Yeah, but I-, I looked at the scene, and there was number one lighting from up above,
0: and mm-hmm. you know maybe like if he saw it based on like hair, then I could maybe believe it because they do have similar hair, but yeah. his face looks different. So I was kind of like, okay. Yeah, I I get what they were trying to go for with that, but that was the one scene where I was kind of like, "What the fuck is this?"
1: I really need to hand it to Buddy Duress for this movie because he does a really good job, and people don't give him give him like nearly enough credit. I agree, definitely. Um, I my favorite my, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is how is when Ray is telling like how he ended up in the hospital. Yeah,
0: I love the editing; is so good.
1: The editing is so fucking well done. I love, 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 love the like the chase scene and like the again something that I'm going to be talking about for both of these Safdie movies is their use of lighting, especially in neon. Yep. Um, like the arcade sequence with all of like the, the like the multicolored neon lighting was so good and so bright. It, I mean. And like another thing I really like is like these close ups on Ray's eye because, you know, his eye is dilated because he's, you know, he's completely whacked out on acid Mm. and everything else under the sun. And I thought that 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 sequence was really well done. I love how they kind of like like they they establish his character really well just by him telling the story of how he wound up in the hospital. Like yeah, I just got out of prison and you know I instantly went to go buy a bottle of whiskey and then I met up with my brother who had a bunch of Xanax and then we went to the arcade and then we took a bunch of acid and then this guy I knew told me he robbed a Radio Shack so he ran away and then this other guy I knew sells acid and he has it in a Sprite bottle and he puts he puts it on Pepe. I th- I thought that like the the uh the scene with like where he's um like. Putting the acid on the tabs, and there's just this fucking Pepe on screen. Yeah, that was It one. made me laugh so hard. It,
0: it's a fun sequence. Like, it's really just like, because it's so wacky, and, and, like, you can tell that the directors were having fun with it. You know, it's not trying to, like, yes. make it a serious, like, oh no. Like, you can tell this character's, like, funny. He's kind of, you know, he's like the comic relief. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it is such a great montage. Um, and and, and kind of speaking about Ray and Connie, because obviously they kind of spar a lot in the movie. Uh, a lot. And, uh, and you get why, you know? But I love the speech that Connie gives to Ray. It felt so well-deserved. Because, you know, Connie is obviously a huge asshole. But... He's a manipulative cunt. But Ray is also a dick, too. So it's kind of like no one's really likable in the scene. But... I think Robert Pence's performance is what sells it for me. It's just
1: so well done. Nobody's likable in this movie, except for Benny Safdie's character. Yeah. Because he's, he's the, he's like the biggest victim yep. of the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, he's like a product of like, circumstance. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, Connie is completely manipulative mm-hmm. and, you know, because Benny Safdie's character, um, I don't know his name off, like his name in the Nick. Yeah, his Nick. name's Nick. Um, Like Nick is, you know, he's not all there mentally, and Connie uses that as an excuse for him to manipulate Nick. And like again, there is no likable character in this movie except for the people who are just trying. Yeah, like or like the security guard. No, like the security guard, he's just doing his job. The um, when uh, Connie goes into the grandmother's house, um, you know, the grandmother's just trying to just be normal. Yeah, and the daughter her, too. Granddaughter a fucking Her granddaughter's kind of an asshole. Really?
0: Well, okay, why was she an asshole too? I actually really liked her. She was one of my favorite characters.
1: She talked back to her grandma way too much. Yeah,
0: but she's also I guess she was like, obviously it's like, oh, edgy teenager, but yeah, also, okay, I'm uh, I'm going to bring it up, okay? Because
1: Yeah, we have to bring it listen, up.
0: All right. Now plot-wise it made sense. I didn't mind it plot-wise but I thought it was really Mm -hmm.
1: fucking weird
0: that he... Connie runs with it. Like, he's like... Like, he he kisses Crystal, that's the girl's name, on the couch, right, because she's about to see that it's him on the TV, which I thought was really funny. I thought it was, like, really well done and really kind of funny, but... Then he, like, keeps going and they're, like, about to have sex, and I was like, bruh. Like, it was...
1: They took it a little too far, which which is something I didn't really like really? about the movie. It's probably one of my biggest. It's probably one of my biggest flaws with the movie. They just took that scene way too far. I, I mean, I think it's kind of cut off
0: before it like really starts to like go yeah. a little too much. But um... if if it went
1: like too far, too far, then I would have had a big problem. This is just like a. I wouldn't call it a nitpick, but I wouldn't call it like a. You know, this is the antichrist. This is the worst part of the movie. Yeah. No, it's a great movie. There's there's just, like, a little sequence that just kind of put me off. Yeah, I
0: didn't really hate the sequence. It was just more, like, again, character-wise, I was like, what the fuck? I was just kind of like, what the fuck? And what does, like, she... I mean, yeah. I know he's Robert Pattinson. I mean, like, I don't blame her, but, like, <laughs> at the same time, it's like... <laughs> it's like, what... Isn't she, like, afraid of this dude? Like, isn't she, like, who the
1: fuck? He's a stranger in her house. And she's, like,
0: making out with him and she's like, oh, I, I And it's, like, it's it's weird. that That scene, I would say little bit strange but it made sense for plot so that's why i didn't have that much of it. Yeah. if it was just like there i'd be like oh, okay but um yeah besides that um and going back to nick i wanted to mention how i love that nick doesn't get punished because he doesn't deserve it and i that was one of my favorite exactly. parts in the end that ending is great because connie is the bad guy and he gets locked up and nick is able
1: to well, live his i mean life. all of the characters get what's coming to them at the end i mean. Uh, huge spoilers if we haven't spoiled yeah, enough spoiled of it like already. Plus, yeah. Um, I mean, well, Ray, total asshole, yep. he falls off the building. Yeah, that was, um, fucking, that was scary. Connie, to- total asshole, he gets arrested. I love the sequence, like, because they show it up like from a like a bird's eye view, because it's it's not like like a really fast cut sequence of like. It's not a fast cut chase sequence it's like an it's like we're just observing through a window this guy getting chased by the cops and just jumping over fences and hedges and just yeah, running away
0: It's a little yeah
1: I love how they executed that because it's not like the traditional chase scene. it's just like well he's fucked yeah i, I love how they kind of again it
0: is like very subtle and i like that i feel like safety brothers also they have kind of those subtle moments and we'll talk about that obviously on uncut gems too but um yes. it, it, definitely that scene because i wasn't really expecting it because again in those normal those scenes you'd see like um you'd see like a bunch of like quick cuts like shoo, 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 you know like like evading the cops yes. and i love the fact we just kind of got to just watch it because it felt more human too. kind of grounded the movie. Mm-hmm. And and I like the fact that the movie was something that could happen in real life. I'm always a big fan of movies that kind of ground themselves in reality, even with goofy premises and kind of weird stuff that yes. don't exist. And this film does a great job of that. Same with Uncut Gems too. Um, and besides that, I thought the pacing was perfect. I was never bored. I wanted it to go on forever. Uh, so many fun sequences, stressful Uh, And I will say, I mean, for a lower budget movie, $2 million, it is incredibly well made. It is so well shot. It is well shot. It's well written. I love everything about it. I gave it a five out of
1: five. And uh, I before before I talk about my rating, I need to talk about this one sequence because we were talking about earlier, like the most anxiety inducing scenes in the movie. The scene where they're at, like where Connie and Ray are at the theme park and the guard is like. Yeah, you guys shouldn't be here. So they just beat the shit out of him and douse him in LSD. That was the most stressful point in the film. Because, like, I've seen people have bad trips. It's not fun. Yeah, yeah, no. And, like... This guy went into total fucking psychosis. <laughs> like he's he's like, like, like they got him in the stretcher. He's like, yeah, no, it, it's pretty. Cra- I mean, honestly, that
0: scene definitely I agree. And I was gonna say mention also the scene where Benny gets beat up in yeah Betty yeah, and, te- oh, and tear gas. oh yeah, that was
1: that was pretty that was more brutal. again, it it, it that was so heartbreaking cause. Yeah like the audience knows that Benny or that that Nick doesn't deserve this. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's been put in this position by Connie. Yeah. And it's so hard to watch because he's just like, he's just this guy who shouldn't even be in prison. Nice guy. And he's getting, he's getting tear gas. Yeah, No, it's pretty, and the way they shoot it, I think that a lot
0: of fight scenes and kind of like, again, it's so realistic that, and there's a lot more in uncut gems, but, um, They're so realistic that you're just like it. Really feels kind of grounded. I love that. I really love that. And yeah, I could see how maybe his kind of character would get misunderstood in prison and would get like beat up Mm -hmm. or harassed. And you know, it's just so sad. Um, but again, he gets the
1: happy ending, and and that's the best part. Is the ending really happy though? Because I mean, he doesn't get the punishment, but he, he, I mean, he does get the you know better under the stick than all these characters. But at the end of the day, I mean, he still lost his brother. you know uh, yeah i i would
0: say it is it's bittersweet because i think overall you know he loses his brother um i would say it's more bitter for connie because throughout the movie again he's a huge asshole but you can also tell that he cares about his brother he's super like nice to him and supports him and you know he does care about him a lot so i would say it's more bad for him Um, But I felt it was good for Nick because, again, he didn't get the punishment because he didn't deserve it. And he was able
1: to go back and get the help he needed with that great ending sequence too. love it. That that ending sequence was so heartbreaking, especially because he was kind of like Nick was just standing there until um, like when the the, like the proctor of the like the meeting says, walk across the other room if you've been hurt by a family member. And then he then he finally walks it, it, so that's what I'm saying I
0: think it, so he fucking got, heartbreaking. I think he got what he want, He wanted
1: though because he's free from this like has
0: to rob banks and it's yeah I don't know I yeah I, I, that's where I felt it was because Safdie Brothers movies as much as like they're and we'll talk about this again uh, Uncut Gems they're kind of also happy endings so at least in my opinion but um, do you have anything else you want to add before we move on to
1: Adam Sandler funny um, well I gotta I gotta give my rating. Um four and a half stars for a Good Time. I think that it's such a strong entry to like to enter the 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 industry with. I mean the Sappies had made like other movies, like their one of their first movie, I think it's called Heaven, Heaven Knows What and it's it was with Buddy Duris. Um but this is like their first like studio film because yeah. um with Uncut Gems and Good Time they work with A twenty four. Um like big movies. Like it's not like uh like yeah, yeah indie, more indie stuff. Like such a strong debut. And again, like their directing style is on point. Um, Like the acting is just on point. Robert Pattinson is a powerhouse. He pretty much picks up the movie on his back and just, you know, takes it to the end. And again, I I really have to give credit to Buddy Duress with that monologue about like how he wound up in, in the hospital. It's just such a superb movie.
0: Yeah funny it's it's stressful it's sad it's got a, it's got like everything
1: it's, it's really a roller coaster definitely yeah.
0: and uh speaking
1: of roller coasters um oh man uncut gems time uncut gems i want you to tell me what you thought about it because i know what i think about it it's one of my favorite movies ever i think that adam sandler i mean a lot of people give flack to adam sandler because you know they're used to like like well, like if Uncut Gems didn't exist, what, if you thought of an Adam Sandler movie, what would be the first thing that pop in your head? Uh, probably Grown Ups. Yep, Grown Ups, The Water Boy. He's made good movies, though, um, if this one didn't exist. Yeah. So, but
0: he's got some good stuff, but yeah, the, the amount of bad outweighs the good. Yeah,
1: like, you know, there's Happy Gilmore and The Water Boy and Jack and Jill and The Grown Ups.
0: I, I don't mind movies. Happy Gilmore.
1: I really don't. I it, I haven't seen Happy Gilmore, but like he's okay. so He's typecast. He's kinda like, in the yeah. he's typecast as like haha goofy Adam Sandler, who yes. you do funny stuff, because Adam Sandler fall over and fart and whatever. Yes, yes. Um but you know, like when he does serious like more serious stuff, like, you know, I mean Punch Drunk Glove is one of my is another one of my favorite movies ever. He's amazing in that movie. But Punch Drunk Glove and Uncut Gems are completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. We'll stay on uncut gems.
0: Um and so i'll get into it of just my my stuff i loved um i love the opening scene of course um i love that they go through the gem multiple times uh that's like a big thing like a lot of interesting kind mm-hmm. of like camera movements um that was really interesting um it, to me the whole movie comes down to it just the character the way the character is howard mm-hmm. and how his life is just so fucking crazy. Um, and when you're introduced to him again, he all alre- it's already like a shit show. You know, I love the fact this movie doesn't like start off like chill. It starts off stressful. You know, and I feel like
1: like it starts off like during the downward spiral. Yeah,
0: and, and good time in comparison, kind of like you, it kind of builds up to that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but Uncut Gems is like there's more stakes there's just it's just more everything you know um mm-hmm. I, I generally i will say i like good time more than uncut gems um but i like the character of howard a lot more than connie if that makes sense and i'll explain why i don't why yeah. i don't like uncut gems as much um but the character is just so interesting it's so fascinating uh and again the choices he makes Uh, and the way he kind of views the world is really fascinating and he again he's a huge dick uh, similar to Connie Mm, he's a fucking
1: horrible person Yeah,
0: but at the same time he he kind of garners sympathy from the audience just because the situation sucks so much and that's why I I love Mm -hmm. it because you're like god yeah this guy's a huge dick but I wouldn't even want to wish this on like my worst enemy so it's That's where it's like, oh my
1: god, Um, yeah. It's like you you're given this character who, off the bat, you're like, wow, I don't really like this guy. But like this, the worst possible scenario happens to him, and you're just like, okay, but like he doesn't deserve that. Yeah, yeah. Like I think a really a prime example, other than the ending, which I don't want to get to just yet, um, because it's not the end. But the scene where um, his brother-in-law Arno and also his bookie or, like, mob boss guy, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what role Arno really serves. He's just, like, a... Like a he's a yeah, loan watcher. Sure. Yeah. So, when Arno first um, meets up with Howie in Arno's car, and then Arno... I mean, Howie made a stupid move earlier in that movie to wind him up in that situation. You could spoil like, sure. it. It's a... He sent Arno a bunch... Like, a picture of a bunch of money, and then he went to the... He went to... um I don't know New York steakhouses very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he he went to a restaurant and he went to his bookie and he's like, "Yeah, I want to bet all of this KG triple way parlay eighty six rebounds." Blah 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 blah. I think that like something else that I think that is really great about um, Howie Bling is that he is really stupid with his choices. Yep. But when he does something calculated, it pays off. Yeah, of course. Really well. He's, he's like, smart. He, he's a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a really smart guy, but he just makes the worst possible decisions.
0: And that's that's what's so lovable about him. Because, again, I think that's what grounds the character, too. Is because he's just a gambling addict who, again, he always thinks that he's going to succeed at things. Um, and that, mm-hmm. obviously, is his downfall. Because, you know, it's not how life always goes. Um, nope. But, yeah, he's just... Um, the character's so interesting because, again, like he—he's kind of like he's so like he's so like uh k- k- like cunning. You know what I mean? Like every time he mm-hmm. speaks, he speaks so rapidly. He's like a fox. Yeah, no, literally, he like, but he's so sneaky with the way he does things, and I, I kind of uh, I kind of appreciate the fact that he doesn't really think without he just does without thinking um Mm -hmm. because again i think someone of it would be weird if he was making these like really smart decisions so i like the fact that it's kind of like oh he does make these like really dumb decisions because that makes it it makes more sense logically it's a lot more entertaining too it is very entertaining (laughs) if entertaining is like having your ass ass pucker for like two hours
1: yep (laughs) <laughs> um, something that I want to juxtapose good time and uncut gems with is that there's a lot more like the acting is a lot more he- like heavy in good time there's a, like a a big reliance on like side characters and stuff like that in good time like you know Buddy Duress and um, I mean and uh, Benny Safdie but in uncut gems you're only focusing on Adam Sandler yep. everybody else is kind of just like there but however I agree with you but I was going to
0: mention, because I had this written down, that all of the side actors are good, though.
1: They are all good. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that the biggest surprise going into it was probably uh, Kevin Garnett. Yep, definitely. The, he did really well. My favorite scene um, of his is like when he first shows up in Howie's Shop, and he's just like completely tantalized by the stone. And then he ends up breaking the um the shelf and um the safties, i mean even in a, in a scene where it's not really that anxiety inducing like where it, like on, on like a baseline is not that anxiety inducing the way that it's executed with like damani being like hey why don't you fucking sell this guy one of my washes or mm-hmm. you know like like all of this side stuff and you know then um how are you like showing kg the stone he's like it's not for sale it's for auction and, like, it's just like, oh, fuck, Howie, what did you do? Yeah. It's,
0: it's and, like those little micro decisions, like, always come back to bite him. It's great. I,
1: yes. <sighs> like, I mean, especially with, um you know, he's he, he fucking sold one of, like, he, like, he's in sh- deep shit with a separate loan shark in the movie. Yep. Like, he, he's in deep shit with two loan sharks. One's a lot more threatening than the yes. other. But, like, you know. He, he just like the other, one of the other ones he's just like all right well go fuck yourself here's a watch bye and then he, the the, the, the uh, loan shark is like what the fuck this is a fake rolex yeah I yeah thought that was really that funny and fun. then it comes back to bite him so much later in the movie when you realize that like oh he sold one of demani's rolexes to this loan shark yeah. it wasn't his rolex to sell it's just like and there's just so much going on, and all all of his decisions just tie up together in this beautiful bow. And again, like like uncut gems, there's like there isn't like a very specific scene to point out. Like yes, this is this is the movie. Like the the prob- one of my favorite scenes in the movie is probably when he's um uh, he's celebrating Passover with his family. Oh yeah, love that. And and then it's like the reveal. Oh, Arno's his brother-in-law. And then like, there's just like this silent tension between everybody, because, um, you know, with, you know, Dina hates Howie already, because Howie's a, ne- he's a neglectful father, <laughs> but he's not, a, he, he's not a neglectful father towards his, um, his older son, yeah. but he's, cause his older son is pretty much just like him. He's, he's a carbon cop. Yeah. yeah, Which is a great, but his great, younger relationship. Son, great relationship. I, I thought, I thought their relationship was really well done, but his um, relationship with his other son um, was, you know, it was heartbreaking, you know, because like, you know, you got this one son, you know, like, you know, he's like high fiving him like, yeah, you know, uh, you see how many points KG hit? Um, I, you know, I, I, they're both like, they're both talking about betting money too. like the apple doesn't fall that f- far from the tree. And then, you know, then you go to his other kid's room. He's just laying there watching the game while his son's trying to sleep. And he's just kind of silently going, come on, hit that fucking rebound. Yeah, that was was really funny. It was really funny, but I was also like, "Oh, man. Yeah, you feel bad.
0: And that's the thing is, like, I love the fact that this film doesn't try to, like it doesn't try to make, like, Howard... It kind of makes Howard, like, cool, I would say, but I also love the fact that they're, Mm -hmm. like, this guy's a piece of shit, like, you know, they they don't, like, really, like, they don't sympathize with him, you know, like, the filmmakers, and I I really appreciate that, because, Mm -hmm. again, it's like, yeah, why would you? Like, no regular human would be like, oh, this
1: guy's so cool, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, I like... It's up for the audience just to decide if Howard is a good person or not. Yeah. The, the Safties they take like a neutral approach to it. Is Howard a good guy? Sometimes. Is he a bad guy? Uh, most of the time. And like, like there, there's so much layering to Howard's character. And like, like there's all these factors to account for like why he's in deep shit. Because, you, like the, you know, there's so many characters that he's in really deep shit with. He's in deep shit with KG because KG has a stone, and KG is like, "Stop fucking, you know, stop, stop jerking me off about it. Just give me the stone, or just don't." Mm -hmm. And and then there's Damani, who's you know he's he's also kind of an idiot. (laughs) Um, You know, Damani's giving Howie the runaround too, but Howie's also giving Damani the runaround too. So it's like they're both fucking each other over. (laughs) And then there's and then there's Dina, who's like, "Howie, can you just be a good father?" And he's like, "No." Like, mm. and I, but the yeah. game, you know, he says. Uh, there's this really great conversation <sighs> that shows how good, like how much of a shitty character he is when, um, uh, she's telling him, like, um, you know, Benny's been wanting to go to sleep for, uh, you know, Benny, it's like ten minutes past Benny's bedtime. Come on, go up, and he's like, um, yeah, give me a sec, give me a sec. And then he's like, he's st- he steps up and he's out of his chair and he's like, and he's like starts to sit down again. He's like, I'll wait for a timeout. And then Dina stamps like, now! I like that was such yeah. like a good scene because it just shows how fucking awful he it's is. It's like subtle and yeah. his his treatment of Julia. Oh was yeah, probably my 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 favorite character dynamic in the movie was between Howard and Julia, especially because if you pay close attention to like if you count how many times Julia says, "I love you" to Howard and howard says i love you to julia julia is completely one-sided yeah until the ending yeah until howard wins like wins big that's when he says i love you to julia he doesn't bother saying it any other time
0: yeah and actually okay i wanted to mention uh two things with her character um so number one julia fox obviously this is her first movie um and she's her. amazing. I, I think she's great. Mm-hmm. What some I think some of her line deliveries were a little kind of weird. Um, uh, but I thought she was super consistent with her character, and I felt like the Safties like put her in a really good spot. Like they were like, okay, cool. You know, like this is uh it makes sense why she would act this way. The other yeah. the other thing I wanted to mention is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when She's like, she's like Howard. Let's go talk to him. Like, and then Howard looks at her, and it's just a a shot of the the drink she's holding, and, he, and he's like, "You got yourself a fucking smoothie," and he fucking and he throws it on her. And it's one of the funny because, I, his like, Adam Sandler's voice is already really funny, but yeah. in that he just goes like bull out, and it's really funny. Um, so I loved that scene so much, and she obviously is very pissed at him, but she loves him, you know, because she comes back and's like, mm-hmm. Howard, let's figure this all out. You know, I love you, whatever, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I-, I thought that again, her character was really solid, really, really, really solid, and all the side characters. I think again, KG, as you said, huge surprise. Um, Lakeith Stanfield had a great intensity. Um, he, he yes always, i
1: he, loved his character he
0: always seems mad in every role he's in and <laughs> i felt like in this movie in particular is when i really felt that when he was just pissed off like uh, i also think of just those little micro interaction like interactions between howard and damani that are just great i love when he's um in the club and you know Damani and him are kind of like at each other's throats it's so tense you know it, like nothing's really happening uh, but
1: it's just ah oh, so good again like that that ties into like the character dynamic of Damani and Howie giving each other their runaround yeah you know like you know Howie is like you know yeah well your watches were fake so I fucking sold them and like you know Damani's like yeah I'm at the, I'm at the club I'm seeing the weekend and I have the stone on me and then Howie shows up and he's like Where's the fucking stone? Yep. And then Damani's like, Why do you think I'm here for? I'm fuck I'm seeing the fucking weekend. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 it's like, they're so
0: like, but they're both like so like dickish, you know what I mean? Like they're it's so like it's so like unlikably likable. And you're just like, this is mm-hmm. so fucking it's so good. And um I think that I also love, I thought it was hilarious that Howard fought the weekend. It was so ridiculous, it just made me it just made yes. me laugh
1: i like i think that a lot of people were like misled by uncut gems a bit when it was in like it's um like it's press run because people were like wow the weekend's in this movie and he's gonna have a really big role no no. he's just the weekend and he's performing in a club for like five minutes and then adam stanler fucking fights him because he's doing coke with julia fox i another thing i really like about uncut gems it's like its humor is always warranted like there's not like there's not like this like moment where it's like it feels forced. Like as you said, like oh, you got yourself a fucking smoothie. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> that was really funny. But um, another like really um funny moment for me was when another like another like scene just like that where Julia is like walking up to Howard and he's like, and Julia's like, Howard, I'm sorry. And Julia walks up to him and he's like, Howard, I'm so sorry. He just says no and just keeps walking. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it's those little things. I'm
0: not okay now. Anyone who's listening to this. This is not a comedy movie, but it has moments that are really funny. Um,
1: it's not it's not a comedy, but it has its moments
0: yeah. and uh, let me think of uh, okay, I wanted to get into my problems with the movie. um
1: mm-hmm.
0: which it's it's not a lot, right? But I did my final rating is lower because of this. Um the whole thing with the family, especially when, um, uh especially the dinner scene I didn't like um I like the scene obviously as we previously mentioned of you know Howard on the floor he's like get that fucking ball you know it's like funny and and I like again like the interactions with um his wife I think Dina um at, mm-hmm. at obviously the the school play which we'll get into as well another great scene um i love the interactions there and at the house as you mentioned um but i thought that that that's like i felt like that's where the film kind of hit a little bit of like a snag for me got a little bit mm-hmm. kind of like okay where's this going obviously you have the big reveal that arno is his is a uh, brother-in-law which is obviously very fun and uh, a great dynamic but after that and up i would say up until after the auction is when i really got back into it but after during that time is when i was like okay you know i wasn't really a big fan of uh i still like the auction scene but it's not one of my favorites i really like mm-hmm. when the goons come back in uh and they beat and they punch powered in the face um and they throw him into the um fountain i just
1: like they punch him in the neck
0: yeah that was a little like what the (laughs) fuck that was kind of weird um but that was when the film kind of got me back you know uh leading into the obviously great finale but what'd you think you know of that area
1: i thought that i mean like it could be weak but i thought that just this underlying intensity of it all because like like what i said earlier and like you know how we talk about like these micro interactions these all all every single word that's spoken in this movie has an effect Hmm. so like god i love the sequence in uh like during the dinner scene the dinner scene is a really good scene because um you know it shows like you know, how fucked Howard is in all regards, you know, his brother-in-law it's revealed that his brother-in-law is after him the whole time, which is like, Oh oh, no. And then the scene where, um, he, like he tries to get back to normal with Dina and he's like, you know, I I, I've been bad. She, I mean, and you know, this girl, she's trash. Forget about her. She's, she's, she's nothing meant nothing. Come on, give me another shot. And he has this look where it's like, it's genuine and, you're, and yeah, you yeah. kind of feel for him. It's like, like there, there's like this chance of redemption. And that's what I love about Uncut Gems. Also, like he has so many chances at redemption that just get that spit back in his face so fast. Yeah, And
0: like, yeah, that scene I like. I do like the dinner scene um, again because the reveal and I like that scene, but it was more of the auction scene. I wasn't a big fan of.
1: The auction scene I really enjoyed because like it it decreased in intensity like of like Howard being threatened, but it still had an intensity because Howard was just about to get into deep shit with somebody else. Yeah. Like it's just, it's it's just another fucking problem. It's just another problem. So like, again, it's just like, like the icing on the cake of the downward spiral, like Like, he's in trouble with Dina because he's not a good husband or a good father. He's in trouble with Damani because Damani's an idiot, and he's also an idiot, so it's just two idiots duking it out. (laughs) He's in trouble with Arno because Arno keeps loaning him money and how he keeps gambling it away and losing it, even though he's a really good gambler, which is not something to be proud of, but, you know, he's good at it. Mm. And now he's in trouble with Gooey. You know yeah. his father-in-law. Yeah, it, because, it, it gets worse and worse. It's like it's so bad because not only is because uh, I think another thing that makes it so good is like it's not just his father; it's his father-in-law.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like his in-laws are all against.
1: <laughs> so not only uh, like oh, not only is Arno against him, but now his now Dina's against him, and Gooey's against him, and then there's this <laughs> like the dynamic with Julia is so funny. Mm. And when he finally gets back like after the auction and he's at his lowest point Mm. and he's just like he's like his nose is plugged up because it was bleeding and you know he has scars on his face and bruises and scratches and he doesn't have his glasses because he lost them in the fucking fountain and like everything is just coming down on him and then Julia finally walks in and it's like oh god what does she want now and then, like, it hits the breaking point of, like, like Julia starts apologizing, you know, you you think that things are going to be back to normal, you know, m- maybe he'll get some sort of, like, satisfaction, some sort of, like, saving grace. And then he's she's like, Howie, I, I want to show you something, and it's a fucking ass tattoo of Howie's name. Yeah, that's fun. And then it's just, it's just the collective audience going... Oh, why would you do
0: that? And I also think that on top of that moment, which I love, I think that's it's a funny moment, it's a fun moment. But I also, um, I also think that you know this is when the goons come back in, and he's like, okay, oh no, 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 Kevin Garnett comes in, and he has this mm-hmm. great monologue, uh, and great dialogue with uh with Kevin Garnett. It's amazing. Um.
1: I really like that scene. Yeah.
0: And then obviously he gives Julia... He's like, okay, you have to go to this... Uh, that's when, again, it picks back up. That's why I didn't really enjoy mm-hmm. the um, the auction scene because I felt like the intensity kind of dipped... And I felt like the movie mm-hmm. was at its perfect best when it just kept compiling, right? And we talked about those com- that the yeah. commotion scenes in Good Time. And one of my favorite commotion scenes is when the door's locked, like when Kevin Garnett comes in again. And the door is locked mm-hmm. and they're stuck in the – and it's like, oh my god. And you feel that whole, like, so many people asking Howard and again. What you said with the microphone placement, it's so well, like – the sound, and you're like, oh my god, and you're in that same headspace. You're in that, like, oh my mm-hmm. god, like, I just give me, like, I just need a fucking second, you know? Yeah. And so when it's at the high intensity, that's when I really think it's like a five out of five great movie. But that little, that was just a little bit kind of like, Neh. But this movie, again, I would say, does a better job of upping the stakes. When you look at Good Time and compare to Uncut mm-hmm. Gems, you're like, oh my god, like, you realize just how fucked um how it is right and, mm-hmm. just from the start and that's why it's so engaging because it's just like seeing like a a car crash you're like
1: oh my god it just keeps getting like worse and worse and worse and you're like oh my lord um it's like the car crashes and then you're like oh god that's awful and then it sets on fire yeah, yeah. and you're like oh no that's worse and then it explodes and you're like oh god yeah
0: yeah it, it just like kept compiling and compiling and compiling but that's what makes it so good so um. outside of that I want to get your thoughts on the ending obviously the goons come in they threaten the hell out of mm-hmm. Howard they hold him off the building which great scene love that Um, and then he locks them in the door and now he literally has all of his money bet on this fucking game and uh,
1: uh, just to add on this is like, 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 what? A hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars? Yep. Well, no, it's one hundred sixty-five because ten percent went to Damani. But a hundred and seventy-five or one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars at stake that he could pay back to Arno yep. and settle everything. But no, because Howie's too dumb. He doesn't have the, the the cognition to be like, oh, I can use some of this money to like, I don't know, pay back my loan shark. No, he goes to gamble it so that he can pay back his loan shark and have more for himself. It's inherently greedy. Yeah. And another thing that's really well done about Howard is like his obsessive greed yep. um something that's really well done um is when he's talking to one of his workers earlier in the film because Arno's goons like you know we kind of we kind of give him the run around you know they tear his shirt and you know they're you know they kind of beat the shit and they don't they don't beat the shit out of him you know they they kind of rough him up a little bit and you know his employee and they do a really great job of saying how much this employee means to Howard you know I, I, I gave you nine years of my life, and this is how you treat me and because you know Howard doesn't care, he just cares about himself he you know he, he, he maybe deep down somewhere he does care about somebody else, but on the on the surface, but he's projecting he does not care and you know and he spends all this time he doesn't make eye contact with. His employee until he opens up this fish and gets his opal and is like, "Well, that was a really weird out of context quote." So he's cutting open a fish to get an opal out, and yeah, that was fun. You know, he, he, he yeah, he gets the opal out, and you know, then he like he he it's it's like he wasn't even he did, listening to his employee. Yep. He was just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's okay, that's fine." You know, let let me do this, and you know, okay, well, fuck off. Here's a five hundred dollar Gucci shirt, brand new. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. blah. and that was funny and um you know then then he opens up the fish and he gets his rock out and he's like holy shit i'm gonna come it's like (laughs) it's such a funny delivered line shout out it's really funny but also it's like like the the message of it is like wow he really just does not care about anything except like his his inherent greed Mm -hmm. and like I think that like every scene. Okay, well, I mean, I think the movie is fucking flawless, but I think every scene that takes place in Howard's shop is extremely well done. And I I really wanted to touch on that um, bit we were talking about earlier with um, when Damani and KG and KG's bodyguard gets stuck in the like the like the buzzer door, and then like what 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 makes it so much more anxiety inducing is the fact that like these characters are so wound up that like they just they 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 just cause problems like like how is like okay guys we're I'm going to get you out of there please wait a second like and Damani's like let me out oh, yeah yeah no i know i know and like just hold on wait yeah. like that that's what makes it so good it, it, it's though it's so well yeah, done it just
0: makes it mm-hmm. just so goddamn good cuz it's just those little moments like other films you might be like God, fuck. You might be like, oh, Damani, fucking wait, Jesus. You know, like, but in this movie, it just compiles to the point where you're just like, without it, you like couldn't have it. Without it, it's just, oh my god.
1: And God, that, like that first scene where KG is introduced, and he's like, well, why the fuck would you show it to me if I couldn't have it? Then you're just like, power, you idiot. And I think that like the whole film does a really exceptional job of immersion, Mm -hmm. especially with sound. Sound is a really huge part of uncut gems. Um, You know, like, you know, from the sirens, you know, in the distance to, um, you know, the wind flowing while Howard's being dangled out of his window, you know, to the sound of the fountain when he gets knocked into the fountain and all of these little things add up to the, pure atmosphere Uh, again with like with good time it's like you're having it's like you're watching that character but you're hearing through their ears and you're breathing through their nose and you're tasting with their mouth it's like you're the character and it doesn't give you a break because you're in the character's shoes as an audience you're like along for the ride you you don't get a break right Mm -hmm. and
0: that's why it's it's so good it's like they're like, you're coming along with this this adventure, whether you like it or not, right? Because that's just how Howard is, because he just drags everyone into it, right? And that's why I think it's so it's so great, because again, you have the goons attacking his employees, you know, and giving them a hard time, but they haven't done anything. Like I bet they're good people. So you know, that's where it's like you realize just how bad it gets, right? And It's like, oh, man. Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's just tough. So um, let's talk about the ending now. So what do you think? I want to get your opinion first.
1: The last, I want to say half an hour, where like from like the second Julia leaves to when his goons come in is probably the best part of the movie. Definitely, definitely. Um, Because again, Howard is really stupid. Like he's a cunning dude, but he just makes dumb decisions. Like, like he, he fucking slaps one of his uh, one of Arno's goons in the face when he's already threatening him. Why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you that do that? That
0: seems like such his character. It's so in his character. I love it.
1: And then, like you know, they walk out, or they're about to get buzzed out, and you know, Howard's like, "Hmm, I can do something with this." Like that 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 little spark, because um, earlier in the movie when, you know, when he's making this parlay, this is when he gets his like his big break.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you know, Julia gets the ass tattoo and you're like, oh, fuck. And then he gets the phone call. And it's like, hey, we're at the uh, it, it's me. KG's uh, lawyer. We're at the bank right now. We're going to come to your place and we're going to get that stone from you. We have one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in a bag plus the 10 percent. That's for Damani. You know, we're we're on our way. We're going to give you the money. And then they hang up, and then there's this like triumphant music. And you know, again, with um, oh, of One o- One o- tricks, what's his name? I, I don't know, that. OPN. Um, his score just, like gives it like this relieving feeling of like. yeah like finally some like like things are gonna work out like you're like okay like that's see it kind of leads you
0: into some like a false sense of security right and i love that Mm -hmm. because again when he does talk because howard has all the outs he's gonna get this money from kg right it's what you said it's Mm -hmm. like he's gonna get this money it's good you know everything's going fine um, everything's looking up for him, but then he just takes it, and you're like, "It's such a good like." I don't want to say it's a twist, but I really think it's so in his character. It's a subversion, yeah. And you're just like, "Wow!" Like you can't even believe what you're watching at that point. Um, and then,
1: but it raises the stakes so much more. Yeah,
0: and then he watches the game, and his reactions again. I think it's just Adam Sandler. He's the only one who could do it. He's just like, hey, gosh, yeah. hey, and his voice, and the <laughs> way he just, the how hype he gets is so like, see, this is, that's where, again, it brought me back to like, I care about Howard, right? Because it's, it's so genuine. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's so infectious. His like love, he's like, because he just wants to win, right? And like, when he's getting mm-hmm. excited, you know, it kind of, it kind of grounded the movie for me in which it reminded me of, um it reminded me of like watching hype sports games when i was younger um and kind of like getting super hyped over like like a goal or you know something like that and that's where it was like man i know how he feels and he's like sla- he's like, like slapping like... the tv
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> something i really like about like the the writing in that scene is like like, like it's such like a minor thing but like it, it goes such a long way it's like um like like it, he's like it's like he's telling the audience like like when kg hits a rebound or something that's on his parlay it's like two more two more and you're like and you're like it's building up you're like okay there's two more left he can, he's gonna make it he's gonna make it he needs two he needs two more rebounds, I know, I know. one more free throw you're like <sighs> this is this like we're so close this is this is how close we are and he says like at the end all right we need one more rebound and we got the whole thing and you're like please give him the rebound yeah and then he gets it and you're like oh no way he did it he did i know it. yeah like, it's like
0: that big like re- it's like a release finally like it's like all again all that tension again but then uh, another subversion
1: like i i want to tie it back to good time because they have this like recurring motif of what goes around comes around and you get what you get in the end yep you know, your actions have consequences. Yeah, like,
0: they're not gonna get away with everything, right? Which I love, because again, it's, like, it's more realistic that way, because it would be ridiculous if Mm -hmm. Connie or Howard got away with everything without repercussion.
1: And, like, the subversions in Uncut Gems are so well done because all the reactions feel genuine. And, like, while KG is, you know, hitting buckets and, you know, free, you know, half-court shots and all this shit, you know, like in this door you know even arno who's our main antagonist is like oh my god he's doing it he can actually he he might actually be yeah. able to pull this off and he, and i can get my money back and then like you know and then then you have like the false another false sense of a security because arno's like he's doing it he's actually getting it done you know he'll be able to pay me back and we don't have to worry about this anymore and then he buzzes them out and it's fucking phil who does it yeah It's fucking Phil who kills him and Arno's like, What did you do? Yeah. What did you do? And it's like, and Oh god. It's like it's it's like Like they dangle it in front of you, like, yes, here he's done it. He's got it. And then Whoop. Nope. No he doesn't. It's like It just uh, takes it all away from uh, you. But again,
0: I heard a really interesting take about the ending which you know i was watching uh i was listening to sardana and they had mentioned that it's kind of a happy ending because he never came down from his high because again he that's all he wants is he wants to win um so and basically he had this one last kind of victory and then he died um so it's like he never had to deal with again like because they were saying that maybe afterwards he probably would have just kept going and going and going because that's just who he is in his nature right um mm-hmm. so you know what do you think about that like did you were you like hap- like what were your like feelings cuz you know I know it's it kind of stirs up a lot it's kind of mixed that's kind of how i felt i was like it's really mixed
1: it's such a tra- <clears throat> excuse me it's such a tragic ending when you're like when when you see it for the first time but when like when you watch it more and more you're just like yeah like uh, you know you kind of deserved it you know like like yeah. what on on, the, on that first watch you're like you know you, you're rooting for him and you're like okay like he's going to make it out this is when he's going to do it and then it just gets <laughs> taken away just like that and you're like ah. yeah um I think that's actually a really good analysis of like how he died thinking that he that he won.
0: It's that's what I'm saying. It's um, it's interesting because I didn't really think about it like that when I first watched it because I was thinking like oh man, you know, it did kind of make me I wouldn't say I would say it was more of a relief because I feel like it's the final payoff of everything that builds up in the movie. Um mm-hmm. and that's what is just so like crazy is that it's like Okay, he did all this bad shit. This guy is just a huge dick. And then when he finally dies, it's like it's like we can finally be free from him, you know? It's kind of like it's like oh, yeah. we're like gone, you know? It's like
1: it's like he has a grip on us the way that he has a grip on the people around him. Yeah.
0: And I would say actually it's more of a sad ending for Arno because again, he is just trying to get his money, you know? Like and yeah. he he really like I if you look at his actions in the story, people might be like, "Oh, he's a little ruthless." But at the same time, I felt like he was very reasonable, and Howard's the one that obviously Mm -hmm. is, like, the one who's a huge dick. So, I thought, again, when Arno got shot, that was when I really kind of felt like, wow, that really... It was like, shit, you know? We really kind of lost, like, a good character here.
1: Yeah. I think the whole movie just does such a good job of showing that actions will always have consequences. Mm -hmm. Every little, th- every step you take has an effect. Yeah. Like, you know, selling somebody somebody else's watch, you're like, you know, then Damani's like, where the fuck are my watches, bro? And he starts knocking shit yeah. over. Another thing that's, like, like, they they realistically mix, like, good stuff happening to Howard with the bad stuff.
0: Definitely, yep. Like,
1: there, are, like, there are points like, yes, he's in so much deep shit, but like, there's like this, some resolution. Like when, like, Dimani's like trashing his um, office, but then he gets the call, like, "Hey, Howard, you don't have prostate cancer." And it's yeah. Like, oh. No. <laughs> like, oh, thank oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, at least he doesn't have cancer. Yeah, I know.
0: Again, it's just that, like, that interesting. Um, is that interesting kind of like juxtaposition? Um, it, but it's funny, like in this conversation, you know. Howard is kind of, what he kind of reminded me of a little bit is similar to like, and I'm not going to spoil this show, don't worry, but he kind of reminded me of like a Walter White, where it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. where you're kind of having fun with him, because, you know, it's kind of like, oh, he's doing these things that it's kind of like turning like a normal guy into kind of a huge asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Um and Howard, some of the things he did I kinda was with. Um, I felt that more with good time because I felt like Connie, the way that he's able to literally like make everything work out for him, I thought was just so clever and the way he does things is so interesting. Um but it's the same with Howard. It's kind of like you're you're along with this kind of evil guy, but you're just enjoying watching him because he's just so charismatic and he's such like a crazy dude you know what i mean it's i don't know
1: like you can hate him as much as you want but he is still really charming yeah
0: that's what i'm saying like i think if he didn't have that charisma like with his character then you know i i have a big problem with movies where i have no sympathy for the character you know Mm -hmm. and i kind of again i kind of felt that with um with some other uh I think in sorry to bother your last discussion. I kind of mentioned that that you know, like I felt no kind of sympathy for the the like Stephen Young and Jermaine Fowler because, like again, can you blame uh, Lakeith Stanfield for for needing money? You know, because he's just working a job. Yeah. So, but this movie again, like he's so just energetic to watch. Um it kind of reminded me also like another Breaking Bad. It's kind of, he's kind of like Saul. That's pretty much exactly what mm-hmm. he's like. Um, except Saul is kind of like a good, an actual good person. Like he has good intentions. Yeah. Howard is just trying to get the most for himself. Right. And I like the mm-hmm. fact that they didn't hold back on that. They really went all the way and were like, okay, we are going to just make this dude just uh, an asshole. And we're not going to give him a lot of redeeming qualities. Cause he doesn't. Like, trying mm-hmm. to list redeeming qualities of it is really difficult.
1: A lot of the redeeming qualities can just be put down to Adam Sandler's delivery as the character. Yep. Like, he's so charismatic. Like, you know, I mean, you know, he's, <laughs> despite his other two children, he's super nice to his uh, oldest son. And another <laughs> another thing, well, I mean, compared. Yeah, compared. You know, and he, like he has this like, it's this weird charisma about him that I I just can't get away from. Yeah. Like you know, like like he's, you know, like when KG comes back into his shop after giving him this full runaround, he's like, hey, you know, I'm so happy to have you back in my store, KG. Come on, yeah, come yeah, to yeah. the office. You want some power raising?" And you're like, "It's so fun. It's like so fun." Yeah, He's being such a nice guy, but he's like, but you're also like in like the full realization, like, wow, yeah, you know, like what he is, you know, like you know what he did, but he's still like, come on, KG, do you want some power rates? Come on,
0: yeah, I, I, what I really love and is when like again he's kind of encouraging KG in that first instance where they, they, um, they meet. Where he's like, that's the gem right there. That's the gem. He's just so fu like he's so funny. That's the stone. Yeah. That's the stone. Like, that's
1: history right there. Was you understand?
0: From fucking dinosaur. He, wanted, he said some goof shit like that. It was so funny. The
1: dinosaurs saw this oh, shit, man. man. Oh
0: my god. Just like, but that's what I'm saying, because he reminded me of, again, like a lot of those kind of sleazy people who try to sell you stuff. But mm-hmm. if they're really charming, you can't really like hate them, you know? So it's cause as much as mm-hmm. you really you know obviously he's a horrible guy um it, just from a pure business he's so entertaining to watch right
1: And you kind of don't and want him this, to like. There's this huge fucking monologue. He's like, like I, I have it pulled up because I, you know, I had, I have a little bit of memory, but I don't want to stutter. He says, "Come on, KG, this is no different than that. This is me, all right. I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my way. This is how I. W-. That's my favorite line in the I movie. Like this is how I yeah, win. I like that a lot. Like, but before I get into like the rest of this monologue, there's a lot of just all right. Well, no pun intended. Gems in this movie, yes. but like like just like um. Uh, at, like when KG is first in uh, the shop, you know, you, you, like, and de, the KG and first and Dimani first show up, and like, you know, you're you're given Howard all this credit, and he's like, he's just a super charming guy, and you, he's kind of a goofball, and then uh, and KG is like, who who is who is this guy? And Damani's like, he's just some crazy ass Jew. I thought it was yeah. so funny. A lot of clever dialogue, and, but this huge fucking this huge monologue that. That Howard has. And he's like, We're we're a team, KG. This is a fucking luck. This is a fucking feeling, alright? We have it. They don't know. You and I know, alright? This is how I win. So fucking charismatic. And he's yeah. like, you know, they think that you're not gonna score twenty points against the 76ers. I mean, what the fuck is this? Just it it, it it's so charismatic, and I love Howard Ratner's character, because he has he blends this like wow this guy sucks to like this guy is just this guy is like leaking charisma out of his pores like it's so well done and and
0: i also love the fact that again that has kind of like a double thing because he is trying to kind of speak sweet to kg um but he's also trying to work against him because he's trying to fire him up because he needs kg to perform so that's why he says all that Mm -hmm. stuff and i love that because it has that double meaning of not only being okay it's kind of how we're doing his little show um but it's also, he's like, yeah, they don't fucking believe you. I, I know, you, like, he's, you know, he believes in him, right? And he creates that kind of false sense that, like, we're in it together, right? And I l- just love it so much. And even KG's kind of like, Jesus, Howard, you're kind of fucking crazy, right? When he's making the bet. Um, yeah, but I, it's just, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much everything I have to say in the movie. I could keep talking, but, I mean...
1: I can talk about this movie for fucking ever. That's,
0: those are all the points like, I have.
1: Like, there's just so many little pieces in this movie that I can pick apart for hours because it's just so perfectly layered. I, oh my god, I love like there's there's a lot of scenes which I think are the heart of the movie. Like the the ending thirty minutes is like the like the the big like okay here we go. But the ramp up to that, with you know, Julia coming in, take like it's, like it's it's all in like one fell swoop. So, um, you know, Julia comes in, shows her the ass, shows him the Astad who is like, oh god, and then um, KG's lawyer calls him and they're like, okay, we're going to bring you this money, and they're like, oh great, and then um, you know, they KG gives him the money, and then Julia goes out, and he's like, you know, he peeks out the window and says, um. You know, uh, I, I wrote I wrote down the bet in this bag. I want you to go to the Mohican Sun and I want you to read out this bet word for word um, to the teller. And uh, like, you know, another another tidbit in that moment is when you know Julia says "I love you" to Howard. He doesn't say it back. Yeah, it's just, it, it's those little so moments. fucking phenomenal. Yeah, those
0: little moments really, I mean, add up. Uh, I I give the film. I would say honestly. If I was going to give it, honestly, on a scale of my enjoyment, because it's not very, like, fun to watch, because, again, it is very stressful, I honestly would give it maybe, like, a three or something like that. But if we're talking about pure Mm -hmm. filmmaking, amazing story, um, acting, all that, then I'd give it a four and a half out of five.
1: Oh, so you increased it a bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, just thinking about it, obviously talking about it, it just makes me realize just how good it really is. Um, Yeah. But again, it's not one of those movies that I would put on a lot because it is very, like, it's Mm kind of tough to, I don't want to say it's, like, tough to watch, if that makes sense. It's just very, like, it's not, like... In your face? Yeah. You know, it's one of those that, like, when you watch, you're going to be like you know, it's very like fun because you're kind of wanting it, but mm-hmm. it's not one of those where I could just be like, Oh, I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw an uncut, you know? So I don't know, but I mean, th- those are my feelings. What's your rating? Five
1: out of five. 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 No questions yep. asked. Five out of five. Um, I, I, I want to like, just say, I have like a bias on cut gems. Cause it's like, I, I watched that movie. Um, when I, w- I went out with a bunch of my friends, they went to go see some, uh, this anime called weathering with you that I really had no, inclined to watch but i just wanted to be with them because they're my friends so they went to see that and i originally had a ticket to see greta gerwig's little women and i went into the theater for like 10 minutes and i'm like i'm not really feeling this so and but i before i walked into that theater i I saw that uncut gems was going to be showing in in around like 15 minutes so i stayed a little bit for little women i was like yeah this isn't my thing so i walked out went to uncut gems theater was completely empty i picked the best seat in the house i I stayed from the big from the opening credits to when the janitors at the movie theater told me to get the fuck out.
0: Yeah. It's just an experience I mean I didn't I watched it obviously just on Netflix but not as glorious but I I still yeah. I still just loved it. I mean, I just loved it.
1: It's just it's so fucking phenomenal and I cannot wait to see what the Safdie's done next. I hope that they diversify their range a bit from these like Anxiety-inducing thrillers, and maybe do do something a little more low key, yep. or you know, something with like a, a, a larger cast instead of just like one focused lead. Because Good Time was like like it was their breakout, but Uncut Gems really put them on the map for what they can do next.
0: Definitely, no, I agree. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I hope everyone uh, enjoyed listening, and uh, yeah, probably we'll see you guys next week.
1: See you next week. Thanks for listening, guys.